Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is a uh, guest who's been with us a number of times through the years. I don't know exactly how many, but a great number, as a matter of fact. Followed by the name of Brad Crone, and he is the president of Campaign Connections. He's a political strategist. And uh, as uh, as I have often said, he uh, back before he lost his mind and got into politics, he was a journalist. And at one time, he was on the staff of WPTF many, many years ago. And then later, he started publishing newspapers. And then he got to sort of, I don't know, lost his uh, lost his way and became a political strategist. And uh, I'm not sure. Go ahead, Brad. I'm a recovering journalist. A recovering journalist. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess we, we need to start off and talk about the uh, recent primary and, and uh, your comments on the primary. And did it turn out uh, the way you thought? And were there any major surprises? Really no major surprises at the statewide level in the United States Senate race. Pat McCrory, uh, the real big surprise there, Don, was just the, the internal proxy fight between the Trump faction of the party and the the Main Street Chamber of Commerce faction of the Republican Party, and and it turned out that that Ted Budd ended up, you know, whipping uh, Pat McCrory significantly with a great deal of outside money coming in from the Club for Growth, where you would have thought that Pat McCrory was Ted Kennedy, and Pat McCrory was the most conservative governor that the state of North Carolina has ever had, and he got painted in the primary as, you know, a Walter Mondale, Ted Kennedy liberal. So that was entertaining to watch. Uh, Now, Ted Budd, who had a substantial victory in the Republican primary, has got to figure out how he tacks back to the middle to try and capture that suburban independent voter who is more centrist more moderate right than right far right. So that's going to be the balancing act. The good news for Ted Budd going into the election cycle is this. The climate for Republicans going into the November election is as strong as I've ever seen it in 31 years. And all the indicators are that it's just going to be not only a a tidal wave, but it could be a tsunami for the Democrats. And it's based on Biden's performance level and and job approval ratings here in North Carolina. It's based on the fact that we could be looking at $5 a gallon gasoline, probably by Labor Day, and 11% inflation rate. And you can talk about the the, uh, abortion Roe v. Wade decision that's likely to come down before July 4th. That doesn't do anything to add new voters for the Democrats. Yes, it generates excitement with liberal Democrats. It generates a lot of excitement with your social conservative Republicans. But those two bases are already going to show up at the polls. Uh, A Roe v. Wade won't bring out new voters. But $5 a gallon gasoline, 11% inflation rate, concern, you know, uh, uh, just earlier this week on on Thursday, Jamie Dimon, the CEO for J.P. Morgan Chase, said we're looking at an economic hurricane in the near future. So that environment is creating a very uh, good uh, 
platform for the Republicans to, to, to look at a statewide United States Senate race. I think clearly they have the advantage. You've seen two major polls recently, Civitas and the East Carolina University poll showing Ted Budd having a, a significant advantage. And already Sherry Beasley is on defensive about her crime record. Uh, there's an independent expenditure group spending one and a half million dollars on television right now defending the chief justice, the former chief justice's uh, record on crime. So when Democrats are already on defensive in the first week of June, I think it spills real trouble. On the congressional front, I think the biggest surprise was the defeat of Madison Cawthorn. Um, The fact that he had so many self-inflicted wounds that he could not recover a uh, Republican consultant I was speaking with earlier this week, Chris Sinclair, uh, said that he lost over 20 points in about a three-week period of time. So it was not surprising that Tom Tillis and a number of other organizations got involved and spent money in there to support Chuck Edwards. Edwards will win that seat. Edwards is um, a right, moderate-type uh, Republican Chamber of Commerce I think the Trump folks will come around and and support Edwards. And I think Edwards will be a much better congressman from the standpoint of reaching out and doing the constituent service stuff. He's not going to be trying to grab the headlines and chasing down television cameras. The other big surprise, the race that I think is going to be probably a spotlight race for the general elections up in North Carolina Congressional District 1, which is G.K. Butterfield's seat, the retiring uh, congressman from Wilson, open seat there. Sandy Smith, a Trump Republican, beat Rocky Mount Mayor Sandy Robertson uh, significantly, 2,000 votes in another proxy fight between the Trump Republicans and the Chamber of Commerce Republicans. And finally, the North Carolina 13 district, which runs from Southern Wake County over to Johnston County and into Wayne County, into Goldsboro. And Bo Hines, who was a Trump-endorsed candidate, beat several uh, well-known, well-established candidates and politicians, uh, Kelly Daltrey, who is the daughter of longtime uh, state representative Leo Daltrey and uh, Devan Barber Jr. So, uh, and then former Congresswoman Renee Elmers as well. They're, they are consolidating. North Carolina 13 is going to be a competitive district. North Carolina 1 will be a competitive district. So those were the primary, those were the primary races that I was tracking in really think will will play out to be interesting elections as we go into November. So nationally, uh, you think the same kind of trend will occur nationally? And so uh, do you think the uh, Democrats are going to lose control of both the House and the Senate or just one of those two chambers? Uh, Yeah, I do. And and a, a lot of that is based on right here in North Carolina. When you look at unaffiliated performance in the primary, we had the highest primary performance, 19.66% turnout, which was the highest performance that we've seen in 20 years going back to 2002. And that was the first election after 9-11. The interesting data point that really drives home why the Democrats need to be concerned 
is the number of unaffiliated voters have pulled Republican ballots. 62% of the unaffiliated voters who presented at the primary, you know, North Carolina has an open primary, so an unaffiliated independent voter can walk in and declare, I want to participate in the Democrat primary or the Republican primary. In the May primary, Don, 62% of unaffiliated voters pulled a Republican ballot. That is not a good trend line for the Democrats. The other alarm bells that should be ringing for the Democrats is the, the simple fact of basically every single public poll that you look at, they are trailing in the generic ballot and they're trailing with unaffiliated voters. And the unaffiliated voter, the reason why that's important, Don, is that the unaffiliated voter is going to represent up to 30% of your total votes cast. So they truly are going to decide. Now, they may be registered unaffiliated. That does not mean that they're nonpartisan. Most of you unaffiliated voters are partisan in their voting. And what we saw in the May primary was that they are partisan at 62% for the Republicans. And that's a big hurdle for the Democrats to be able to, to, to take on at the federal level, and at the state level when it comes to the state legislature and uh, key county commissioner races across the state. I want to go back to uh, Corey for just a moment. Is his political life over now because of this resounding defeat? We have not seen a, a political candidate come back from, you know, two major statewide defeats. Now, it doesn't mean that he can't try. But I, I think it's a very difficult, a very high mountain to climb. And to be honest, Pat can return to his radio show in Charlotte at WBT and be very successful there. He was the number one morning show in the Charlotte radio market for a number of years, and it's home for him. So I, I think um, I think McCrory's future is very bright. I think he can still have an important voice in public policy in North Carolina. You can actually probably make some money doing it. Uh, now, Cawthorn is a different situation. Is his political life now over? I think Cawthorn's going to have to figure out how he's going to make a living. Uh, he, he is a, a real estate license and a developer there in Henderson County. So he may go back to that. But a think tank in Washington may pick him up or actually uh, the Trump campaign or the DeSantis campaign may actually pick him up. Don, he is a very well-spoken, he, he gives a great speech. Uh, you know, I think he's a good retail politician, but he just had way too many self-inflicted wounds there. Um, the gun incident at the, at the Charlotte Douglas Airport, the videos of him uh, engaged in inappropriate behavior for an adult and a member of Congress. So, you know, can he can he rehabilitate? Yeah, I think he can rehabilitate. I think he's strong enough, and I think he's a good retail politician. But he's got to cut out the foolishness to do it. Well, so basically, there weren't a lot of surprises in the uh, uh, primary, and and uh, we are in the election season. And and unless things dramatically change, your summary is that uh, the Democrats are looking. Uh, their their whole situation for this upcoming general election is very bleak. 
Well, I think it is simply because Joe Biden is polling so poorly here in North Carolina. He's a little bit better at the national level at 38, 39 percent. But in North Carolina, you know, he's at 36, 35 percent. And that's that's very difficult uh, for the Democrats to overcome. Not since 1994 or 2010, neither President Clinton or President Obama were nowhere near those numbers. You know, they were at the mid 40 levels. So I think it, I think it's storm clouds are, are clearly rising for the Democrats as they move forward. And the one other thing, Don, that they've got to do, the Democrats have got to find a message that resonates with the, the centrist independent voter in the wraparound counties along our three major metropolitan television markets, Charlotte, Greensboro, and Raleigh. And right now, they don't have a message other than Medicaid expansion. And these voters are worried about their schools. They're worried about their jobs, economic development. They're worried about infrastructure. And the Democrats really don't have a message to go there. We've got lots of things to talk about with our guest, Brad Cron, and we will do that right after we take a break for these messages. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Medicaid expansion, medical marijuana, which is uh, as, is always a controversial subject, and we'll talk about that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer in 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Olivia, from Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel from California, choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Watch out! You got me! The galaxy is safe once again. 
In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back with our guest, Brad Crone, who's the president of Campaign Connections, a very frequent guest from our program, and we've talked about all sorts of things, including the economy. We've spent a lot of time talking about the effects of inflation. We've talked about gun control. We've talked about Medicaid expansion, medical marijuana, and the legalization of that uh, as a, uh, uh, a new thing that has come out of this session of the General Assembly. We've talked about sports betting and uh uh, that's a big deal. And we also talked uh, talk a lot about uh, the general economy and, and the approval rating of the president. So we've talked about all sorts of things. One of the things we have not talked about is a special issue that still seems to be in the news from time to time is the matter of student debt. Uh, do you think anything's going to change on that? Because that's a very controversial issue. Well, the president is making moves just this week to, to look at doing some debt forgiveness and debt reduction in particular for students who attended a uh, specific uh, for-profit uh, secondary education company. But we have to address it. I, you know, we've talked about uh, throughout the show, I've, I've talked about Jamie Dimon's prediction that he, you know, Jamie Dimon's a pretty significant, you know, Fortune 10, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO. He went through the real estate collapse, a very well-respected national and international banker. And when he says that we are headed into an economic hurricane, I'm going to pay attention to that. And my fear, Don, is that we have some type of trigger event that, that impacts the economy but we have to figure out again, we got smart people in this country and we are, we are loaning money to students to go to school, to get an education that cripple cripples them financially coming out of the university or, or coming out of their trade school. And that just seems morally wrong to me we've got to do a better job of figuring out how to make a secondary education, whether it's at University of North Carolina or at Wake Technical Community College or at Johnson and Wells in Charlotte, that make it more affordable and accessible for students who want to be able to go and get the skills they need so that they can be productive. My fear long-term from a generational standpoint on student debt is how it impacts the ability to buy a house, uh, how it, it impacts your ability to get into, uh, you know, start a family. So we, we've got to do a better job of getting uh, future generations access to affordable health care. Well, it's, you know, it's a very complicated issue because so many students have been have already paid off their student debt. Do you go back and give them money for uh, them paying theirs off? Uh, as you said, it, it's there's there's two components to it. There's the past and there's the future. 
And uh, I think almost everybody agrees that we've got to do something about the high cost of education because that's just going to increase future student debts unless we change something. But then again, there's the fairness issue. And so it's a complicated issue. And of course, you know, the other thing about the economy that's so interesting is everywhere you go, you see people wanting to hire people. You don't normally see that in a, an economy that is uh, uh, having difficulty. Uh, businesses are having trouble filling all their openings. And the housing market is extremely robust. Uh, you know, you hear most people say that when you list a house, you expect to get more than the listing price. And what's amazing there, Don, is that it's universal across the state. It, it, you know, yes. There is no inventory in Mount Olive, North Carolina, much less Charlotte or Durham and Raleigh. And the average time frame for a house in, in the city of Charlotte is eight days, nine days. I think it's a little longer in, in Raleigh and Greensboro, but it's just a wild market. I saw a report yesterday where there had been a 46% increase in pricing on housing in Wake County. So it's staggering. And so I talked to Wendy Harris in, in Fayetteville, and Wendy is... <clears throat> President of North Carolina Realtors. Same thing in Cumberland County. You talk to uh, realtors in Charlotte, same thing. The market is absolutely on fire. And you have to pull yourself back and ask the question, how long is that type of market sustainable? And when I talk to the real estate agents, in particular in the metropolitan regions, they think that it's going to continue, even if we have uh, uh, economic hiccup. You look at the jobs that have been announced in Greensboro for with the with the battery plant in Randolph, Randolph County and the jet company over at the airport in in, in between Greensboro and Winston Salem. <clears throat> There's 10,000, 11,000 jobs here. Here in the Triangle area, it's about 13,000 jobs that the governor, Governor Roy Cooper, has announced in the last six months, seven months. So, and we just, we just barely missed on a, a high tech uh, electronic car company locating here in North Carolina. And they actually announced that they were going into, into the state of Georgia, but we barely missed that. So the economic development folks have truly been on a roll um, and it's a positive thing. The big challenge on that, Don, is going to be workforce. And like you said, where are we going to get that workforce? So Thomas Stiff, brilliant man, president of our community college system, a former city council member over in Durham, worked as chief of staff for Pat McCrory, uh, served on the Durham city council for a number of years. <clears throat> Very bright man. He was saying that it's going to be a combination of job training through our community colleges, of getting this the, the workforce ready and having a job for them once they get out of the training, whether it's at a community college or at, at trade school, and then people moving in to the state of North Carolina. And the, the fly into North Carolina as a place to live is helping drive that shortage that we're seeing in housing. And from, you know, I was just looking the other day, you know, my parent, my mother grew up in Mount Olive, my father grew up in Goldsboro, 
and I was looking uh, at real estate down in Wayne County as a possible area to retire to. There are no houses down there. So um, uh, you're seeing that all over the state. Uh, I was up in Elizabeth City a couple weeks ago. Uh, inventory, a huge issue. <clears throat> the market all over the state is hot. Well, I, you know, I visited my little hometown of Vesper City a, uh, a couple of weeks ago and was talking to an official of the city of Vesper City. They've ordered a piece of equipment. It's an expensive piece of equipment. Uh, and uh, the delivery date is 13 months out. 13 <laughs> months out. So my problem with understanding economic situation is how can you have a recession or, and of course, those things drive inflation, but how can you have a recession when everything is so backlogged and there's there's people waiting to buy stuff that's not on the market yet. Right. And <clears throat> you're seeing that in big appliances right now, too, and, and white yeah. goods. You know, used to you could go to the Sears store and, and get you a Kenmore refrigerator and have it delivered that afternoon. Our good friend, R.W. Goodman, down in, in uh, Rockingham in Richmond County, you know, ran, made a very good living uh, selling white goods, household goods, freezers, refrigerators. Um, and you could walk in the store and heck Sheriff Goodman would get it delivered to you in the next couple of hours. Those days are long gone. You go to Lowe's or go to Home Depot or try and buy a, a refrigerator and you got a waiting period there. So I agree. It, it is, it is truly dumbfounding the economy that we're in. And I think it's a combination of transition on how information and technology impacts the supply chain. And it's also a result of the disruption that we've seen as a result of COVID. <clears throat> One piece of legislation that I'm following real close is the IT sector antitrust legislation that is pending in Congress where Senator Klobuchar out of Minnesota has introduced legislation that would basically break up Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, probably Walmart too. They're right on the cusp of it. And what type of impact and, and, and uh, negative uh, impact that would have on not only your economy from a sector, from, from a major sector of your national domestic product, but also from consumers and small businesses who rely on those companies to help them run day-to-day -day business affairs. So that's going to be absolutely intriguing piece of legislation at the federal level. There's a chance it could get moved. I don't see it moving. There, there are not enough votes for cloture for sure, but truly an intriguing uh, piece of legislation that could have direct impact on a lot of companies that are here in North Carolina doing business with regional headquarters and then also with the business community altogether. It's uh, one of the few pieces of legislation that the United States Chamber of Commerce has come out on this year and is actively opposing. And you're seeing state chambers and local business organizations weighing in on it. So I doubt seriously that our two senators would join any type of effort to look at antitrust. Again, going back, Don, to the key factor of they got bigger fish to fry when gas is at you know four dollars and forty cents a gallon and inflation's at eight percent. Well, I'm going to give you a very short wick of time on this one. 
But have you ever seen a time where there's so many conflicting issues in the economy that you say, well, if this is true, then this can't be true. If this is happening, then this can't be happening. And in fact, both of those things are happening. <laughs> right. You, you really do have to throw away the rule book. Um, you know, why do we face the supply chain issues that we have and look at the fact that we're sitting on a $6 billion surplus here in the state of North Carolina? And the, the simple fact is, is that with all those confluence, you got to come back and say, cash is going to continue to be king. And the one good thing out of that is that we're sitting on about $6 billion of cash in reserve right now here in North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina is in great shape, no matter what happens. I'm not sure about the uh, federal government because uh, they borrow so much. I, I guess cash is never a problem with them. Well, Brad, thank you so much for being with us. Brad Crone, president of Campaign Connections. We will look forward to you returning again soon. In the meantime, if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and uh, hear the entire broadcast or select the portions of it. So until next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.